Well, hey, SCC family, I'm so glad you could tune in and join us today wherever you may happen to be. Today, for only the second time in our history, we are having an online uh, streaming worship experience only. I want to talk about the why of that. It's important we all be on the same page. You know, before anything else, Jesus tells us we're called to love God and to love our neighbor. And in this case, we can love our neighbor by doing everything that we can to slow the spread of the COVID-19 virus. So we want to work, you know, with our schools, with our government officials to responsibly contain this virus so that we can gather together again as quickly as possible. But I want to be clear, the way forward for followers of Jesus is love, not fear. I also want you to know that um, many of our pastors and elders have been fasting and praying for you this week, for your family. Um, I issued a challenge a little over a week ago to all of them to forego a meal each day and to spend that time seeking the Lord on behalf of our church and on your behalf. And so we've been privileged to do that uh, together. Uh, But today we want to talk about just an incredible opportunity that we have in light of this crisis that we're all facing together. I mean, you know, we're sequestered, we're isolated. Uh, Much of our lives have been shut down and slowed down. And what this does is it opens up an amazing opportunity uh, to press into our Heavenly Father together. Uh, Because though we can't be together, we can still be on mission together. Though we can't come to church, we can still be the church, right? And we're going to be the church by identifying and meeting the unique needs of our community during this time and just wringing dry the unprecedented opportunity that it creates to leverage the hope of the gospel of Jesus. So we're going to continue to traffic in hope. We are going to be hope dealers in Shelby County, Indiana. So while we can't be together, this is absolutely a time for us to come together around our vision of being a disciple-making church that brings hope and healing to our community. Now, we know that some of you, you know, have lost your jobs, right? You're worried and concerned about making ends meet. We know that others of you may have friends or family members that have actually been infected by the COVID-19 virus. Maybe you're anxious about their safety. So what I'd like to do is I'd like just to take a moment and just pray together. Uh, Pray for us as a church and pray for our community. So could we do that together? So Heavenly Father, there are so many things that feel out of control, but God, we know today that you are in control and that we trust you. So God, first we pray peace. We pray that your peace would rule in our hearts in a day and in a time when so many people, so many lives have been uh, in upheaval. So we ask that your peace would rule in our hearts and we ask that your peace would rule in our homes. Uh, God, we also pray your provision. We pray for those who've lost uh, an income or had to have a reduced income. And God, we just pray your provision for not only the families of our church, but for uh, the restaurants who've had to scale back, for anybody that's had to to be uh, registered as a non-essential business. We pray for those business owners. We pray that you would provide uh, for them in the face of all this. We pray your provision for the families of our church as well. And then finally, Lord, we pray your protection. We pray your protection for our community. Uh, We pray your protection for the families of our church. And we ask, Lord Jesus, that during this time that many, many people would come to know you, not just as Savior, Uh, or Lord, or even helper, or friend, but God, that they would come to know you as their healer. And so we ask you to protect us, to protect our community in this time. So God, would you speak a fresh word into our hearts and into our minds uh, this morning? Would you both challenge and comfort us today? And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, church. Um, hey, everyone in your living rooms, especially if you got kiddos around you, let's go ahead 
Um, just like Sunday morning, let's stand up together. Go on, stand up um, right now. Um, what we're going to do is uh, we're going to sing a couple songs together um, to uh, start our time just worshiping um, our Father. He's good, um, and he's been providing for, for each one of us. He's been, um, he's been doing monstrous things in our community already. Um, and so uh, he's worthy of every one of our praises. His promises are still consistent. His love is still consistent. Um, his grace is still consistent in our lives, regardless of, of what's happening. And so um, let's sing these songs um, to him and about him um, as we're um, uh, thoughtful of those things. So here we go. Come and stand before your maker, full of wonder, full of fear. Come behold his power and glory, yet with confidence draw near. For the one who holds the heavens and commands the stars above is the God who bends to bless us with an unrelenting love. Rejoice, come and lift your hands and raise your voice. He is worthy of all praise. Rejoice, sing the mercies of your King and with trembling rejoice. We are children of the promise the beloved of the Lord, one with everlasting kindness, bought with sacrificial blood, bringing reconciliation to a world that longs to know the affections of a father who will never let them go. Rejoice, come and lift your hands and raise your voice. Is worthy of all praise. Rejoice, sing the mercies of your King, and with trembling rejoice. All our sin and all our sorrows, Jesus carried up the hill. He has walked this path before us. He is walking with us still. And turning tragedy to triumph, turning agony to praise. There is blessing in the battle, so take heart and stand amazed. Rejoice when you cry to him, he hears your voice. He will wipe away your tears, so rejoice. In the midst of suffering, He will help you sing. Rejoice, come and lift your hands and raise your voice. He is worthy of all praise. Sing the mercies of your King, and with trembling rejoice. Yeah. <laughs> your love sought me when I was low. Wanderer on a broken road In shame shackled my heart in doubt I was lost in sin but you brought me out Thank you, Father Then your voice Shattered the dead of night And with just one breath Every wrong's made right My soul in victory Safe from harm Shouts I'm free, I'm free In my Savior's arms 
Yes, I'm free. I'm free in my Savior's arms. Come on, church, let's sing this together. And oh, how great your love is, how deep your kindness, how sweet your grace. And oh, how strong your mercy through every valley. Oh, you've made a way. Oh, came down to a fallen earth with a grace much greater than I deserved. Now I'm set free by the blood you spilled. Here it is. From the cross you saw me and loved me still. From the cross you saw me and loved me still. Come on. And oh, how great your love is, how deep your kindness, how sweet your grace. And strong your mercy through every valley oh you've made a way church as we sing these words let's sing them loud um, even if, if it might feel a little awkward in your home let's let's sing them loud because I think um, especially in times like this and seasons like this it is so important to declare what we believe is true what we know is true as a church so let's declare this to God and um, with one another we believe we believe that our God is alive and our hearts are free. We believe, we believe the King Jesus, he is alive indeed. We believe, we believe that our God is alive and our hearts are free. We believe, we believe the King Jesus, he is alive indeed, King Jesus, He is alive indeed. And oh, how great your love is, how deep your kindness, how sweet your grace. your mercy through every valley oh you made a way oh 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 Thanks, Brandon. Awesome. Hey, so we've been in the middle of a series called uh, This Is Us. We've been walking through our mission, our vision, 
our values. And we actually did a pivot this week. We're kind of going a little out of order because we believe that this next value is really the way forward for us as a church. It's the way forward for your family uh, in the season that we're all in, this season of isolation and interruption and downsizing and all that comes with that, right? So, uh, so we just want to walk through a value that we believe represents the way forward for all of us today. So here's that value. Uh, the way we uh, articulate the value in general is we say this, like we want to be a, a church, we want to be families that lead with prayer and respond with worship. And we say it this way, we will pray together with bold expectation and worship with great celebration in response to God's goodness. Now we know that uh, there's been such upheaval and uncertainty and disappointment and anxiety and worry during this time. And so a lot of families are asking, you know, how are we going to get through this? I mean, what's the way through? And we are absolutely convinced that prayer is the way through, that worship is the way through, and that God has given us a unique opportunity uh, to do both of those things in a season of uncertainty and to become men and women really and truly who are mighty of soul together, even though we're in solitude, right? So we're going to get through this uh, by praying and by responding with worship. And we don't want to leave out that when we talk about prayer and worship, both of those things happen in response to the goodness of God. Listen, if you, don't, if you don't believe deep down in your heart that God is good, you will never have a vital prayer life. And if you don't believe deep down into your bones that God is good, you will never respond to him in worship. And so one of the things that we would say to you out of the gate, we, we believe a lot of people do this, is they confuse life with God. Right? And we would, we would say, don't do that. The, uh, you know, Scripture tells us that life is going to be unfair, that life is going to be hard. Jesus tells us over and over again that life is going to be difficult, that things are going to come in and out of our lives that are going to bring uncertainty with them. Uh, and so when you begin to confuse life with God, uh, it can result in all kinds of other errors in your life. We say, no, we believe that our God is good. The psalmist said it this way, Psalm 119.68. The psalmist said, you are good and what you do is good. Teach me your decrees. We would argue that God's goodness is the catalyst for a vital prayer life and it's uh, vital to a response of worship every single day. Now, one day, as Jesus was praying, and as his disciples were watching him, they suddenly realized something. They didn't, what they realized was that they didn't pray in the same way that Jesus prayed, right? Now, what's interesting to me is these were young Jewish men, so they'd grown up praying. They'd grown up going to prayer services. They'd heard lots of people pray. They'd probably prayed a lot themselves, right? And so what's astounding to me is even in spite of all that, they still come to Jesus with a question, and the question they asked Jesus was this. They said, hey, would you teach us to pray? I mean, we just realized we don't pray like you do. We've never heard anyone pray like you do, right? So I think when they watched Jesus pray, they came to understand, hey, we think we still, even though we've done a lot of praying, we think we still have a lot of learning to do when it comes to this thing called prayer. In fact, maybe as they watch Jesus, they recognize for the first time, not only do I have a lot to learn, I may not even be doing it right. I may not even be approaching it correctly, right? Uh, and, uh, or at least the way that Jesus approached prayer, right? And I think even when it comes to our own prayer lives, we sometimes ask questions like this. We ask questions like, hey, does this work? I mean, is there anyone even listening? 
will this even make any difference at all? And what I want us to see from questions like this is that, uh, that they, they may mean that when we approach prayer, we also have something that we need to learn about prayer as well. Maybe, just like the disciples, we aren't approaching it correctly. Maybe we're not doing it right. Maybe prayer is something that I need to grow in, that I have to learn how to do, right? So Jesus begins to teach them how to pray by framing prayer. And here's what he says. This is Matthew 6, 6. Let's read through it together. He says, but when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. Now, in our isolation, uh, you know, we have an amazing opportunity in this season to practice these very words. Jesus says, listen, when you're going to pray, go into your room, get alone, close the door. In other words, uh, remove all the distractions, right? And then you can begin to pray. Uh, And it's so important that we understand Jesus says something here that you would kind of miss because he talks about a lot, but he, he just tells us bluntly that there is a reward to prayer. He says, then your father who is unseen will see you and he will reward you, right? Uh, so Jesus tells us that very clearly here. He also tells us, and I think this is so amazing, that The eyes of our Heavenly Father are fixed on us when we pray. That our God, who is unseen, sees you and me when we're on our knees, when we're seeking Him out, that His eyes are fixed in us. And this is so powerful because I think Jesus also hits on one of the reasons prayer can sometimes be so difficult, precisely because our God is unseen. We can't always see Him at work. We don't get to see always Him immediately responding to our prayers, right? And so some of that, because there's kind of a lag time and that's difficult for some of us. Uh, but what, what I want us to get and what we can't miss is that there are, there's a reward to growing in our prayer lives uh, that we don't want to miss. So look at this. Jesus goes on, Matthew 6, 7. He says, And when you pray, do not keep babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. So what he's really telling us here is like prayer is not about the words. You don't need to beg or plead or expound or approach God with oodles of passion. You don't need to pray like your pastor or somebody else that you've heard pray and you thought, wow, that was really good. It doesn't have to be eloquent. It doesn't have to be deep. He's just saying, look, there's not a magic formula to prayer. It's not about the words. It's not about the words. And then he tells them why. Matthew 6, 8. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you even ask Him. This is so incredible. He says that God actually knows the things that we need uh, even before we come to an ask. But this kind of raises a question, right? And the question is, well, if God already knows what I need, why bother to even pray at all? I mean, why ask God in the first place? Uh, And I think this question assumes that prayer is the avenue to get what I want from God. You know, in other words, prayer is the avenue in which I get God to bend to my will, right? But what if prayer is much bigger than that, right? What if it's meant to be so much more than just that? And it turns out it is. And so Jesus goes on, Matthew 6, 9. He says, this then is how you should pray. Now, I want to stop here because I think here Jesus is giving us a model for prayer. Again, it's not about the words. It's not about reciting words. Jesus has already made that very, very clear, right? But what he is doing is he's giving us a model. He's giving us some principles that are absolutely vital to stepping into a prayer life that has depth 
and meaning and purpose. And so he goes on, Matthew 6, 9. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. This is so important. Jesus begins this prayer not by praying to the God up there or the God out there, right? He says, when you pray, we have the unspeakable privilege of addressing the God of the universe as our Father. One of the amazing hopes held out by the gospel of Jesus is that when someone says yes to Jesus and they receive forgiveness of their sin because of his death, his burial, and his resurrection, right, that we take on a brand new standing with God. We move from being just part of his creation and addressing him as creator to addressing him as Father, that we don't approach God from the same perspective anymore, that we have instant access to Him 24-7 precisely because He is a loving, heavenly Father. So He moves from being the God of up there, the God of out there, to being the God of in here, the God who takes up residence and cares about me and loves me and wants to have a Father relationship with me. He's family now, and this is incredible. And then Jesus says, not only should we approach God as a father that loves us and wants to meet our needs, but he says this, hallowed be thy name. Now, hallowed means big. Hallowed means glorious, right? It means you are so over me. You are so much bigger than me God there is something distinct and special about you you are utterly unique and you stand apart from everything else and everyone else within your creation there is no one as big and vast as you are right you are so much bigger than me and i want you to see something that really illustrates just how hallowed our god really is so we're going to show you a photograph some of you may recognize this this is a famous photograph it's actually titled the pale blue dot it was taken by voyager 1 in 1990 and I want us to listen together what uh, Carl Sagan, the astronomer, has to say about this picture of Earth that was actually taken from 3.7 billion miles away. Here's what he said. Look at that, that little dot. That's you. That's me. That's us. That's here. That's home. That's now. On it. Everyone you love, everyone you know, everyone you've ever heard of, every human being who ever was lived out their lives. Every hunter and forager, every hero and coward, every creator and destroyer of civilization, every king and peasant, every young couple in love, every mother and father, every hopeful child, every writer an inventor, an explorer, every teacher of morals, every corrupt politician, every superstar, every supreme leader, every saint and every sinner in the history of our species lived there on a moat of dust suspended in a sunbeam. And then God says to the prophet Isaiah, I hold the universe in the span of of my hand that's how hallowed our God really is and a God that big and a God that would allow us to approach him as father is worthy of worship so let's continue to do that together let's worship our God because he is hallowed and because he is father and because he is good Your mercy never fails me 
And all my days I've been held in your hands From the moment that I wake up Until I lay my head Oh, I will sing Of the goodness of God And all my life you have been faithful And all my life you have been so, so good With every breath that I am able Oh, I will sing of the goodness of God love your voice you have led me through the fire and in darkest nights you are close like no other I've known you as a father I've known you as a friend and I have lived in the goodness of God And all my life you have been faithful And all my life you have been so, so good With every breath that I am able Oh, I will sing of the goodness of God Your goodness is running after, it's running after me. Cause your goodness is running after, it's running after me. With my life laid down, I'm surrendered now. I give you everything. Cause your goodness is running after, it's running after me. Your goodness is running after, it's running after me. Cause your goodness is running after, it's running after me. With my life laid down, I'm surrendered now. I give you everything. Your goodness is running after, it's running after me. all my life you have been faithful and all my life you have been so so good with every breath that I am able oh I'm gonna sing of the goodness of God Cause all my life you have been faithful. Sing it to him. And all my life you have been so, so good. With every breath that I am able. Oh, I'm going to sing of the goodness of God. Oh, I'm going to sing of the goodness of God. Days may be darkest but your light is greater, you light our way, God, you light our way. And when evil's rising, you're rising higher with power to save, with power to save. You keep hope 
alive. You keep hope alive from the beginning to end. Your word never fails. You keep hope alive because you are alive. Jesus, you are alive. Death had a stronghold. Be your life was stronger, rose from the grave, rose up from the grave. And when evil's rising, you're rising higher with power to save, with power to save. evening there's hope cause you're living there's hope cause you're breathing there's hope in the breaking there's hope in the sorrow there's hope for this moment my hope and for tomorrow hope in the morning there's hope in the evening there's hope because you're living, there's hope. Because you're breathing, there's hope. In the breaking, there's hope. In the sorrow, there's hope. And for this moment, my hope. And for tomorrow, you keep hope alive. You keep hope alive from the beginning to end. Never fails you keep hope alive because you are alive, Jesus. You are alive, yeah. You keep hope alive, you keep hope alive from the beginning to end. Your word and never fails you keep hope alive. you are alive. One more time. You keep hope alive. You keep hope alive from the beginning to end. Your word never fails. You keep hope alive because you are alive. Jesus, you are alive. Amen. You know, one of the things we need to remember is that as we pray, we pray to the God of hope. And Jesus tells us, you know, uh, not only do we need to go into our room and close the door and remove distraction, he tells, hey, don't get caught up in the words of prayer. You know, just bring an open heart to God, you know, in that moment. Then he says, hey, just remember who you're talking to. You're talking to your heavenly papa, and his name is hallowed. He is so over you. He is so much bigger than us, right? And this description of God as father and as hallowed points us, I believe, to the first two rewards of prayer. And the first reward is this, just his presence, just his presence. In other words, we come into his presence not just seeking what his hands can provide, but just seeking his face, uh, delighting in him, knowing that our Father who is unseen, his eyes are fixed on us. And the second reward, I think, comes from this is when we think about God as hallowed, it gives us a preview into his power, his strength that he's willing to share with people like you and me when we don't have strength, when we need strength, maybe even in a season like this, right? So just, we just got to remember who we're talking to. And by the way, the more that you stay in God's presence and in God's power, 
the bigger he will be. In other words, the more that you pray, the more that you worship, when you worship your way through, God gets bigger. And what that means automatically is that our problems, they get smaller. Our cares, our concern uh, become less as he becomes more. But it even gets better. Jesus goes on, Matthew 6.10. He says, uh, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now this is so incredible and it upends the way that I think many of us think about prayer because many of us think about prayer as our opportunity to bend God to our will, right? To get him to do for us what we want him to do. But Jesus tells us here that that is actually backwards when we think about prayer. He tells us that the purpose of prayer is to surrender our will, not to impose it on God. Now listen, no matter where you're worshiping, no matter where you're gathered this morning, the truth about every single one of us is that uh, is this, that there's something in every single one of us that wants God to do our bidding, right? Jesus says, bending God to your will is not what prayer is all about. Prayer is all about bending your will to him, to his. So some of us are going to need to pray longer, right? Because what Jesus says here is, look, don't get off your knees until you've been crystal clear, until that your will is surrendered to his will, that your kingdom is secondary to his kingdom, right? So here's what I think Jesus is saying. He's saying, That we can come to God and we can say, you know what, God, you know what I'm about to ask. You know that I'm going to make some asks of you. I mean, you know what I want for my kingdom. But God, before I even get to that, I trust you, God, and I want you to know that I want and need your will to be done in your life, in my life. I want you to know that I understand that your kingdom is greater than my kingdom. Your will is more important than my will. I want you to listen. This prayer works 100% of the time because your heart will be synced to the heart of your heavenly Father. And by the way, when you get to this point, this offers a third reward to prayer. And you know what it is? It's peace. It's peace. Because you are saying in that moment, God, I trust you. In fact, there's a promise in the Bible that echoes uh, this promise of peace. Philippians chapter 4 verses 6 and 7 says this, don't be anxious about anything, right? But in everything through prayer and thanksgiving, make your request to God. And then here's the promise. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus, right? So, It comes through that surrender, through that acknowledgement that God can be trusted, that he himself is trustworthy. So we've got these three rewards of prayer already, right? His presence, his power, and his peace. But Jesus isn't done yet. He goes on. Look at Matthew chapter 6, verse 11. He says, give us this day our daily bread. This is so fascinating. Jesus knows us. He knows that we want God to give us stuff. Give us. Give us. He knows that we have to get to that, but here it's specifically give us our daily bread. Now, when his initial followers heard this, they were meant to think of a time when they were wandering in the wilderness and God provided bread for them every single day. It was called manna, which literally means what is it? right? What is it? And I want you to notice something here. I can't pray for tomorrow's bread today. I can only pray for today's bread. And in fact, with manna, uh, if they tried to save it or store it for another day, uh, it would go bad. So that they had to acknowledge every single day that they were dependent on God to meet their needs. And that's what's in view here. Because you and I, we can't pray for tomorrow's bread today. All we can do is pray for today's bread 
today, right? You don't even need tomorrow's bread today. All you need is today's bread. And I think this just tells us there's meant to be a daily rhythm to prayer where we're praying every single day, not just when we have a need, not just when things go south or uh, get rough, but we are to have just a, a vital prayer life that digs down deep into the life that God wants to bring to us every single day so this brings us to the fourth reward of prayer not only do we have you know um, his presence and his power not only do we have his peace but we get his provision God provides he moves in response to that kind of prayer but then it goes on gets even bigger other rewards as well Matthew 6 12 he says this forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. In other words, what Jesus is saying here is that forgiveness is a vital part of an active prayer life. It's a daily part. And this becomes so important in the season that we're all in together. Many of us, right, are working from home. Many of us, uh, school's not in session. We're not sending our kids off to school every day. So we're all kind of more cramped and crowded together. And what Jesus is saying is, look, if we don't learn how to forgive one another in tight quarters, it could impact, it could interfere with all of our prayer life. So Jesus says it this way. Look, we want you to forgive us our trespasses, God, in the same way that we forgive those who trespass against us. Right? So when we're praying correctly, we will be more forgiving of other people. And if nothing else, right, this is going to force all of us to pray longer and pray harder because we all recognize that it's a lot easier to ask for pardon than it is to give it. Especially when everyone is underfoot, right, with everyone else. But what Jesus is saying here is it's vitally clear. God, I won't get off my knees until I am walking in forgiveness towards others. And I'm so committed to that, I'm going to ask you to forgive me in light of the way that I forgive other people. See, So prayer is meant to remind us that not only do we need to ask for pardon, we need to give it. We need to give it. So, again, just yet another reward of prayer, right? We get his presence. We, we get to tap into his power. We get his peace. We, but we get his provision. But then we get his pardon in prayer. We get his forgiveness, right? And we get an opportunity to pray about extending how and when and where to extend that pardon to the people that we love but he doesn't even stop there this just keeps getting better and better look at Matthew 16 he says this and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from the evil one I love this lead us not into temptation do you know why God doesn't need to lead us into temptation because you and I we have no problem finding temptation all by ourselves all on our own we don't need God to lead us there do we no we don't but he goes on to say, don't just lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Some versions say from evil. Some versions say from the evil one, right? But either way, what God is saying here is that when, when you and I pray, we can't pray intending to do evil. That we want hearts that are rightly and wholly centered on God, right? That prayer is one of the ways that we come to God and we say, God, I don't want to sin against you. I want a heart in sync with yours. I want to be used by you. I want to be in full view of you. I would never do anything to interfere, God, with our relationship, right? Um, so one, of the, so one of the other rewards of prayer, again, we get his presence, we get to tap into his power, we get his peace, we get his provision, we get his pardon. But finally, right, um, we just get his purity. 
We just get purity. We get the forgiveness of sin from him. And it's kind of weird because in many versions of this prayer, including the NIV, it just uh, Jesus' prayer just ends abruptly and he goes on and continues to teach and talk about the importance of forgiveness. And so there's an ending to the prayer that many of us have heard. Maybe we've sang it. We're familiar with it, right? The ending goes like this. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. And then there's that worship piece that we were just talking about, right? Because we said we want to we pray our way through this together. We want to worship our way through this together. Worship is the way through. Worship is the way forward. And it's interesting how those words came to be for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever see the earliest manuscripts don't contain those words it's not until we get later manuscripts that those words were inserted because I think what happened is at some point somebody looked at that and they said those are beautiful words but we need to wrap that up we need to put better words so they put that statement of worship on the end of Jesus prayer and even though we don't have reason to believe that for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever that those are the original words of Jesus that they were introduced later we can still acknowledge together that those words are still true and right and good right Uh, Because we do. We would want this prayer to uh, point to him, to his kingdom, his power, his glory uh, forever and ever and ever. So we've said that the rewards of prayer, Jesus just lays them out, right? He says, hey, first there is a reward to prayer. Go into your room, close the door, remove distractions, get by yourself, get focused on God. Don't worry about the verbiage. Don't worry about the passion. Don't worry about what you say. Uh, And then, here's how I want you to pray. I want you to remember who you're talking to. I want you to come into his presence, the presence of your heavenly Father, but you remember as you do that, that his name is hallowed, that there is none like him. Just remember how big the Father is that you're talking to. So come into his presence, come into his power, and receive his peace. Submit your will to his, right? Receive his provision. Ask him, give us this day our daily bread. Receive his pardon, not just for yourself, but ask him to help you pardon others as well. And finally, rejoice that he gives his purity. He won't lead us into evil. God doesn't put his sons and daughters to the test ever, right? So um, what should be our response to that kind of grace? Well, it's worship. In fact, when that editor put those words at the end of this prayer, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever, that is a statement of worship, right? And worship is nothing more than a response to who God is and what he's done. And so what we want to, we're going to talk more about this next week. We're actually going to break this value up into two weeks. We think it is so vital that we move our way through this crisis with vital prayer lives and uh, with acts of worship, right? We think that's so vital that we're going to draw this out and we're going to talk about this value next week as well. But I do want to leave you with kind of a statement. This is from the prophet Habakkuk. And I want you to listen to what he said. Uh, By the way, before Habakkuk said these words, he's had this incredible vision of who God is. And he has seen a God whose name is hallowed. And here's how he responds to this huge vision of God that he's just had. Habakkuk chapter 3, verses 17 and 18. He says these words, Though the fig tree does not bud... And there are no grapes on the vines, though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food. Though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord and I will be joyful in God my Savior. Now we have to remember 
that when we read a verse like this, this was an agricultural society. What Habakkuk is talking here is just a, a, a removal of everything that he needed to live, that his society was built on. He was talking about everything just going away. Uh, like, so when he talks about things like figs and grapes and olives and grain, in other words, the fields produce no food. He's talking about grain. He says there'd be no cattle, no sheep. He is saying that in the face of catastrophic failure, he will continue to rejoice and find joy in God his Savior. These were all things that Israel depended on for its very life, for its very survival. And he's not just saying, hey, I'll suck it up and I'll push through. He's not saying, I'll just, I'll just pull up a little grit and we'll get through this together. He says, no, 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 no. I'm going to worship. I'm going to rejoice. I'm going to find joy in God my Savior. And that is what worship provides in a season like this, right? So here's what we're going to do. We're going to uh, respond to God together. We're going to uh, really just ask you to reflect on God as you listen to Pastor Brandon uh, sing these words. So Brandon, just tell us how we're going to respond together today. If we were here in person, this would be the time that we would um, we would respond with our time, our talents, and our, our treasures. And so, um, uh, since we can't be here to give online, um, you're going to see a link um, in the uh, Facebook live chat right now that you can click on and, and, and give that way. It's super simple. But let's, let's sing this song. Um, and actually, I would ask that maybe you do less singing and more praying in this time. This is a song that many of us don't know. It's called Clear the Stage. And it really gives us a good perspective um, on... Uh, yeah, and what should be the uh, first and foremost in our lives. It's everything that Brad just talked about. And so I would encourage you as we're singing the song to respond um, in the way that you feel led. Um, but maybe one of those ways, um, yeah, if you don't know, maybe one of those ways is to simply hold out your hands in this posture of surrender and receiving and open up your heart and open up your mind and see um, yeah, what God might be uh, saying to you in this time. So, so let's engage in prayer and worship. Um, as, uh, as we respond. And clear the stage and set the sound and lights ablaze If that's the measure you must take to crush the idols Jerk the pews and all the decorations too Until the congregation's few Then have revival And tell your friends that this is where the party ends Until you're broken for your sins You can't be social and seek the Lord and wait for what he has in store and know that great is your reward so just be hopeful cause you can you can sing all you want to yes you can you can sing all you want to you can sing all you want to and still get it wrong Worship is more than song mm. Take a break from all the plans that you have made and sit at home alone and wait for God to whisper and beg him please to open up his mouth and speak and pray for real upon your knees until they blister oh, shine the light on every corner of your life 
life until the pride and lust and lies are in the open. Then read the word and put to test the things you've heard until your heart and soul are stirred and rocked and broken because you can. You can sing all you want to. Yes, you can. You can sing all you want to. You can sing all you want to and still get it wrong. Worship is more than a song. We must not worship something that's not even worth it. Clear the stage, oh, make some space for the one who deserves it. Anything I put before my God is an idol. And anything I want with all my heart is an idol. And anything I can't stop thinking of is an idol and anything that I give all my love is an idol cause I can sing all I want to yes I can I can sing all I want to, and we can sing all we want to, and we can, we can sing all we want to, oh, we can sing all we want to, and still get it wrong, worship is more than a song. Mm. Clear the stage and set the sound and lights ablaze if that's the measure you must take to crush the idols. So how are we going to get through this together? We're going to pray our way through. We're going to worship our way through. And in the process, we're going to disarm some idols. What an opportunity we have before us. What an opportunity to draw near to our maker, to go into our room and to close the door. And to pray to our Heavenly Father, who is unseen, but who sees us when we pray. So I want to challenge you. Will you take advantage of that opportunity in this season? We have an opportunity to become men and women in a season of uncertainty who are mighty of soul, immovable, steadfast. So don't get so caught up in social media and how other people are coping and in the news that you don't forget that there is a heavenly Father available to you moment by moment every day. How are we going to get through this? We're going to pray our way through. We're going to worship our way through. We are going to be a people that are going to pray to our God with bold expectation, precisely because his name is hallowed. We are going to be a people that are going to worship our God with great celebration, precisely because his name 
is hallowed and he is good and don't you forget it for even a moment don't confuse life with our God our God stands above it all it's just him and it's only always just him so let's pray to him together one more time today then I'm going to issue a challenge and we'll sign off Heavenly Father, we're so grateful to be able to call you by that name because of your son Jesus. We thank you for his death, his burial, his resurrection so that we could have the forgiveness of sins, so that we could have a new standing before you, so that we could know you, not just as the God up there, the God out there, the creator God, but as Father, as Papa, as Abba. And so we give you thanks and we give you praise and we do it in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. So may you this week pray your way through and may you worship your way through. That's how we're going to get through this together. God bless you guys. We love you. We'll see you next week. God bless.